1500 KSTP St. Paul, Minneapolis. 94.5 KSTP FM St. Paul HD2. And on scorenorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. One and two. To the left field corner, deep and gone! Nelson Cruz with his 12th, and the Twins take a 1 0 lead. Score North Twins show, line change. Rami uh, out, Zolgad in, Wetmore remains. Manny Hill, of course, remains as well. That was uh, Fox Sports North yesterday. Twins beating the Mariners. Nelson Cruz hitting a yet another home run. He has been a red hot Derek Wetmore since his return. You know what? I did an exercise within the last hour aimed at making people on this Friday, this gorgeous Friday, feel good about, well, maybe not good. A little better about the Twins' bullpen. It's all relative. (laughs) And so what I did was I went through the box scores from the Mariners-Twins series, which just concluded with three games. And we all know a couple nights ago, uh, the bullpen certainly struggled. The Twins came back, rallied to tie, lost that game eventually. They won two of three in the series. But this exercise is aimed, again, at making people feel a little bit better. And the name of this game is, at least you're not the Mariners' bullpen. (laughs) (laughs) backhanded compliment so the twins bullpen in the three games pitched a grand total of 10 and two-thirds innings gave up 15 hits 13 runs nine earned of course all three in the 10th inning a couple nights ago against tyler duffy were unearned uh eight walks 10 strikeouts one home run certainly not those aren't great that's not very good 7.59 era disappointing Mm -hmm. but now here's where you're going to feel much better about yourself the seattle mariners now, now I fudged a little bit here, gentlemen, because Tommy Malone had an opener on Wednesday. Yeah. And so I didn't include the opener as a bullpen guy since he started, but I don't think it's fair to call Malone a bullpen guy. So just two starters for that game? So then? just two starters. Yeah. Okay. And so mm-hmm. I went in totality then with the rest of the people that came in in relief. That's not the right word for the Seattle Mariners. Sure. Let me go through these. Oh, boy. <laughs> Six innings pitched. 16 hits, 15 runs, each and every one of them earned. Yikes. Five walks, six strikeouts, two home runs surrendered, a 22.5 ERA in three games. Well, with stings. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and that's not strong enough. No, Mr. Zambrano would need to dial that one up a little bit. But they're. I'm not comparing the two teams. All I'm, right, all, right. All I was I'm just trying to say. do is I get in here on a 1 o'clock on a gorgeous Friday and make you feel better about That's yourself. what I appreciate about the driver of the Bomba bus. He's here to make everybody feel good. It's great. When you least expect it, I'm going to give you a pat. You know what? Here's I'm, some optimism. I'm the coach that's going to kick your butt, and then when you don't expect it, I'm going to pat you <laughs> on the head, and I'm going to say, yeah, exactly. good job. And so this, this should make you feel... I, I know the Mariners are terrible, but yeah. my gosh, I was I was actually offended watching that M's bullpen. Right. And how, how did that team start out thirteen and two? <laughs> no, I know. I asked Roycey that very how did question that happen? on uh Mackie and Judd with Rami on Thursday. I asked Patrick that exact question and he baseball sage the Patrick is said, I got no clue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Seriously, man, he's got it. I mean, exactly it's a good point. Right. How how do you? I get it. It's I mean, baseball. they were scoring thirteen runs a game. It seemed like for well, a, for a stretch there, but still. To Manny's point, though, if that had been a week, 
I'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, sure, nice moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird sport, and it's it's easier to to sort of look at it and highlight that start because it was the start of a season. That's right. But it's still like you look at this roster and how they've performed since that good start, and regardless if that was the start of the season or the middle of the season or a stretch in September or what. That team basically had a stretch where they won 13 out of 15 games. Ooh. How? <laughs> no. I don't know. Regardless well, of whether it was the start of the season or a middle part of the season, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. The I way, don't think they know, guys. No, and gosh, if you had that answer, you wouldn't have lost basically every game since then, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. They don't have the for- Whatever the formula was, they lost it or someone misplaced it. The one like this is like not an excuse because that's a terrible number. What'd you say? Twenty two plus ERA? Twenty two point five. So this is not to excuse that, but they did have to face the twins. I mean the the mm-hmm. the best offense in baseball history in Bomba Soda, the land of ten thousand. Seven point five nine, which was the twins, a bullpen ERA in those three games is disappointing and you don't like to see it. Twenty two plus means everyone should go to triple A. Embarrassing, yeah. Or double A. Uh six five one six four six eight two five five if you would like to join the conversation. Doug in Lakeville does that right now. Hi Doug, thanks for holding on. Hey guys, enjoy the show. Uh comment and a question, agree with Derek from last hour. Uh enough. Enough with the Prince. The guy's a musical genius. He's one of us. There you uh, go. Love his, love his Ooh, music. But, uh, okay. geez, the, the, the Prince Knight at the Lynx, Prince Knight at the Saints, Prince Knight at the Vikings, Prince, you know, you, I, I totally agree with you. It's, sure. it's enough. Thanks. The, the other thing is the unfortunate circumstances of his death. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, got to bring some negativity to okay. our first place Minnesota Twins show. And pick on Sano again. Last last Friday's uh, game with the with the uh, throwing error and then the three pitch strikeout. And I know everybody got has strong feelings about Sano one way or the other. What is, what is the metric a person should look at when when you know considering or trying to measure how he's doing? Does does WAR include the strikeouts, the defense? As well as the slugging percentage and so on and so forth. What's mm-hmm. and, and Derek? What's your feeling? Sure. And again, I know it's a small sample size, but what are the metrics? And then, uh, how do you think he's doing? And sure. how do you think he's going to do? No, it's a great question, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Th- thanks for the call. I always like it when people start off by saying, "I agree with Derek." <laughs> So, Which is why you were pumping your fist in the air, right. waving it wildly, even it's the only like, Manny I could see you. Judd, it's like when uh, it's like when people say good question, and then I just like I get up and I dance around the studio. You're like, very excited. Right, that. it was a good question. That's a good, but but it's, that it's is a, a good question. That by is him. Doug in Lakeville so brings you, up a fantastic because point. I, I was there a couple nights ago where uh, he certainly scuffled at the plate. He batted eighth in that game. Yep. And then in the course of one play on an Encarnacion ground ball, he uh, bobbled the ball. Should have picked the ball up and said yep. that's too bad and yep. made a terrible so, throw. Two errors on one play, not a good thing. I'm a Sano guy, and you're not a Sano guy. If you just had to separate us into camps, I know it's much more. It's more gray, nuanced. It's more gray that. than that. Yeah. Obviously, it's you know there's this there's a sliding scale and it's situational. But he asked the question uh, first: Does WAR include the strikeouts? And yes, it does. I would say. Maybe at the end of the year, I'm going to look at wins above replacement. But over the course of like two weeks, I don't think it helps that much just because there's not a lot of context around it. Like, well, he's worth four tenths of a win in June. I, 
okay, what does that mean? What does what does any of that mean? But what I look at, and different players, it's going to be different. People are obsessed with Sano's strikeout rate, and for good reason. If he comes up in a meaningful moment of a game and it would be helpful to get a sacrifice fly and move the chains, and he's just incapable of doing that when even your guy Williams Astadio could do that, I get it. That's frustrating. As a longtime fan of this grand old game, you watch that and it's kind of like, ah, you want more in those situations. And I get that. The number that I look at with Sano to judge, is he on track? Is he being successful? Defensively, it's the eye test. I don't like numbers. I don't like ultimate zone rating. I don't like defensive runs saved. I don't like... i got to write something down because i got a question for you about that in a second. Looking in the month of June and saying he was worth plus one DRS means nothing to me. I don't, I, there's not enough context there to say, did he have a good month with the glove? So I watch for that. Mm-hmm. But offensively, it's pretty simple for me. I look at weighted on-base average. And for the the fans that don't follow that stat closely... I like to think of it as a combination of your on-base percentage and your slugging percentage that's basically trying to boil down into one number. How good were you at helping your team score runs? And it's on the same scale, kind of as like, you know, an on-base percentage. So you'd see a 400 weighted on-base average and say, that's an elite hitter. You'd see a 300 and you'd think, oh, you need more from that. So I know it's it's kind of tough if you don't swim in those waters all the time seeing what a good weighted on-base average is versus what's average versus what's way below average. But Miguel Sano currently is kind of crushing it with his weighted on-base average. 372 Woba just because of all the power that he's got. I mean, right? he hit like, I think it was like five home runs in his first seven games. So that power production is always going to be the trade-off with Sano. He's going to strike out a lot. I guarantee you he's going to... Frustrate in the eighth inning of a close game because it's kind of who he is as a hitter. Overall, offensively, though, I'm in on Sano right now. I think he is on track with the bat. But that's the number that I look at to judge. Yeah, I I don't know if I could go there completely yet. I see the value potentially. Um, I, I think that this staff is going to use him correctly. He didn't he didn't play on Thursday. He played on Wednesday, and they went. The Mariners went with an opener, and then brought in a change-up slop throwing Tommy Malone, and he batted eighth in that game. Yeah. So I guess where I land is I have faith in these guys to use him right. I have faith that that's going to eventually or could drive up his value offensively, and that uh, come the winter you could probably trade him. I think you probably trade him. Could see it. I just don't. I could I'll never. It. As I've said before, you don't trust I'll never trust him. So, I, but I do have a defensive question. Yeah, for let me let me just quickly interject and say that the pressure not being on him as the central cornerstone figure, he's no longer the pillar that holds up the Roman Colosseum. That's why. Right? That's why I think they'll the use Pantheon. Court, I probably should have said, but, but he's no longer a foundational piece. Correct. He is and now he a power hitting third baseman who plays some first base in DH. Yes, and, take and that. And who my only question the as. Ugly as that was on Wednesday when he fielded the Encarnacion ground ball sure. and booted it and threw it away, I've actually expected that more. He's played a decent third base. I, I, I like he's him. He's played man. a decent third base. But the fact that he's not a, a a foundation of this team becomes extremely important because that gives you a lot of leeway in how you decide to use him now. Yep. It's not like you got to bat him fourth and, oh my gosh, if he, ha- right. if he strikes out four times. If he's batting eighth and he strikes out... 
four times. But he hits he, a home run. Well, and these right? guys are still like, going to score what ten yeah, runs? Yeah, <laughs> they were they were Tommy Malone for most of that game on Wednesday. Completely had them shut down. They were chasing the changeup, and yep. they were all out of sorts. And Derek, they still came back to tie that game. Yep. Good so, for, yeah, I like Tommy Malone. Good for him. Uh, good guy when he was with the Twins, for sure. And that, I was watching a little part of that um, at the conference. But, man, you just felt for a guy like that where you're like, you have to carve through this lineup, and yep. Miguel Sano is hitting eighth, Although, and Byron Buxton is hitting ninth? True. Wow. True, but there's a but to that. Um, Buster Only was on uh, Patrick's show on Tuesday, the podcast. And I, I was listening uh, to it driving to the ballpark, and Buster had a great point. They had a long discussion about the fact that Odo is a uh, Cy Young candidate in the American League, and Kyle Hendricks is in the National League. Sure. And Buster's point was, it's not that these guys don't throw hard at all, but they're more uh, crafty and creative. And yes, the the high fastball in this day and age is working for them. But he talked about the fact that these guys now are so conditioned for 98, basically, that the guys who don't do that actually are starting to give the modern-day hitter more problems. Because teams are so locked well, like, in. Good for Tommy Malone. Because <laughs> exactly, he doesn't have the, the big po- fastball. Well, well, and, the, and, then the point be, and then the point get to, can you get through the lineup once or twice, and sure. it's fine, but the third time they absolutely crucify you. Yeah. So, But it, it was an interesting discussion about what is more apt now with the mentality of hitters in 2019, Derek, to give them problems. That's interesting. I wonder if that's one of the reasons Ryan Harper has had the success that he has. Like, I love that breaking but ball. But they're starting to catch up to him sure. now because that that's the flip side. Because you've seen it. Because you've seen it now yeah. and you're prepared. But when it, but if the guy is a good enough pitcher and or is new and you haven't seen him, okay, if he comes in and throws gas, I can hit gas now. I'm used to that. Sure. So You had a question on defense. I want to make sure we don't lose that. Uh, yes, I do. And it's this defensive metrics, which you, I believe, just said a couple moments ago. You sort of dismiss a little bit more. Yeah, I'm definitely okay. I, I'm going to go complete baseball geek nerd. Love it. Just the worst of the worst. <laughs> Let your geek flag fly, man. This how, is the Score North first place twin show. How are we going to adjust to and adapt to how we look at defense with shifts now? You know, I grew up as a kid. Ozzie Smith made every play. Unbelievable. Omar Vizquel, for how many years, made every play. But now that guy's standing behind second base, and a lot of times the ball's hit right to him. Sure. Or or uh, Polanco is shifted towards the shortstop side, and so he might make a nice play, but odds are the ball's hit near him or to him. How are we going to start to uh, uh, gauge? Because just... Now, to me, if you're shifted correctly and you make the play, well, you should, but that doesn't say a lot about you as a fielder. And this whole notion that we've had for years and years, which is you have to be strong up the middle when it comes to the shortstop and second baseman, to me, is completely sure. changed, Eric. So just thinking out loud here, I do think arm strength matters a great deal. I think it's one of the reasons I'm a little iffy on Jorge Polanco as a shortstop because. One side arm, no. Yeah, like. And they don't care. I know they don't care, but I also care that he doesn't make every throw. Like, he's not strong enough to make every throw, in my book. He's good. He's fine. He's going to start the All-Star game, and he deserves it. But as a shortstop, I think he leaves a little something to be desired there. Um, Brian Dozier never had a strong throwing arm to me, and it was one of those things that I thought, yeah, his defense is great. He'll hustle, and he's good, but you know, maybe he'll put up a good defensive run saved number by the end of the year. But I just... 
there was something you wanted more out of that guy because he's a great baseball player. And great baseball players, we we don't look at how great they are. We look at what can't he do and can he do it better. So I do think arm strength is going to matter as we evolve here in baseball. And the player that I'm reminded of most when we're talking about, okay, does Jonathan Scope have Ozzie Smith's range? I don't know. Probably not. But safe to yeah, say go, doesn't. Go ahead. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he doesn't. Your scouting hat was on uh, full full there. There is less importance placed on range, though. I think we've all seen that. Yes. Now, you know, if you're Anderson Simmons and you can go get everything in the shortstop hole or over the second base bag, that's fantastic. There's definitely still value in that. But if you're not that, you're a guy who I covered in Baltimore uh, when I was there six years ago. Now, JJ Hardy. JJ Hardy was maybe one of the headiest players of that time. He was slow. Just flat out, let's call a spade a spade. J.J. Hardy could not run very fast. So we didn't have great range. But you never saw like those bleeders get through and think, boy, another shortstop makes that play. I wish the Orioles didn't have J.J. Hardy. No, you know why? Because before the pitch... He's watching, and he sees like, oh, okay, it's a change-up to a lefty. I'm probably going to want to shade a step and a half to my right. He was always seeming to be moving around, and this is anecdotal. But I think he got to more baseballs than a shortstop with his range should be expected to get to, and I think it's by a lot. But it doesn't take smarts now, because you're told where to go. Sure. You've got a card that says when so-and-so comes up, be there. Yep. And and my point being is if you're there, how do we judge you? It's fine. You should make the play. But now, from afar, who do you say, oh, my God, that guy is fantastic. Yeah, now, so, now, Buxton, I still know, because yes. he can go get it. Yep. But if you're Polanco, what now? Seven out of ten times, you're just in the right place. Right. It so doesn't I, make you. So I just, I don't know how do we, going forward, how do we judge right. these guys? Good question. So range is still a factor. Arm strength becomes a bigger factor to me. Adaptability matters. If you're Miguel Sano and you can stand in short right field and make that play, and stand at the hot corner, make the charge play barehanded and fire across the diamond. That still matters a great deal to me as a third baseman. As a shortstop, you still have to make those charge plays and stuff. But I think that teams have a different way of evaluating it than Judd, you and I might. We might watch it and say, like, that guy's flashy. He's got range. He's got the arm. I like this guy. Sure. Teams might look at it and say, well, yeah, but we put him in this great spot. And if we just put so-and-so... If we just put shortstop X in his position, I think you're right. He, he would have made the same, a roughly same number of plays. I think teams are think a little that, bit ahead. That's accurate, though. Where we are on this right now. So does it? And so that's fine. So how how much does that range matter now? It's way way less important to me. I mean, Mike Mustakis was playing some second base for the Brewers. My geekiest point is, is this: in the coming years, how difficult? The scorebook? No, gold gloves. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, like actually, if, that's if, a really interesting like one. If you're a second baseman who's always in the right place, I got no idea. You're just making the play you should make. So what makes you, what makes the Angels second baseman different from the Twins, from well, the Cubs, if you're just always in? And good for them for doing, I'm not, I'm not even criticizing it. I'm just, I don't know how we judge. Right. Teams are going to have to help us, I think, with that. Or smarter people than me. You can see. Definitely. I, I thought you were going to be conflicted because you can't write 6-3 in your scorebook anymore. I figured it out. What are you doing? I got a, I got a tweet from, from a guy. Well, I had gone to drawing arrows. So if it was sure, uh, sure. So if it was a 4-3, but the guy was on the shortstop side a second, I would draw an arrow there. Okay. And then a guy put, no, what you do is you do 4-3 at the six. It's four, the easiest three at thing. Six. Okay. Four three at six. Okay. So I take the closest position then and put that by what the scoring plays. All right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. My life's made much simpler now. Yeah, and it's uh, probably 
quelled some anxiety to be able to just like, oh, now I know with what to write OCD, in my scorebook. You're not kidding. I know, absolutely not. Because I feel o- the same way. I score my, in pen. With my OCD, you're not. It, the, no. sad th- the sad thing is, it has quelled anxiety. Uh, I and wasn't that teasing says a lot you. about me. I'm saying. But there is this uh, analysis that we're going to need some help, I think, from smarter people than me, frankly, to figure out okay, is Andrelton Simmons still the best shortstop in That's, baseball? And is you. it by a lot? Is, is he so much better than the next guy? Whatever. Gold gloves have sort of always been criticized by the stats community as an offensive award. And I agree with that. And That's correct. there are, you know, baseball people now that are writing like, okay, who was the, I, I know Rawlings is going to do the gold glove and we're going to do it the traditional way. And Brian Dozier is going to win one, but there is this, um, uh, Movement to just give it to the best defenders. I mean, give give other awards. They for years it was uh, John Dewan's like fielding bible would give the who's the best shortstop, who's the best first baseman based on these metrics. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to get better at that analysis at saying like Jorge Polanco is a really good shortstop. Andrelton Simmons is better. So the positions to me that are still clear cut as far as if you're good, I can tell are first base. Yeah, I but you tell. have to watch. I can I, tell, but I can tell. This this goes back. This is for everything. But you, se- you have second, to watch. Second, short, and third, I don't know for, for sure. Tougher. Outfield, I think I know. Sure. And catcher, I can tell for sure. Catcher is one of those that's tough if you watch an inning. But if you watch 27 innings is, in a weekend, you know if the catcher was good. Is pitch framing now part of that conversation, too, for gold gloves? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I guess I don't know if like the Rawlings one is, but if you're looking and telling me who's the best catcher at the end of the year, I want to know who tricked Joe West 25 times a week. Stella the dog could do that. (laughs) If it's it's our guy, uh, C.B. Buckner, Angel Hernandez, Joe West, is it Ron Culpa? Yeah, sure. But you're going to get those that are... Okay, there's like five guys my dog Those guys... You don't even trick those guys because those guys are just going to call what they want. Yeah. <laughs> Angel you Hernandez know? might be. That was sp- right down the pipe. Where was that pitch? Ball. Right. right. Oh. Angel Hernandez was it, not tricked on that play. Angel he just Hernandez called what he wanted to call. It's historically bad. Yeah. He's a, absolutely. It awful. matters for catchers right. to answer your question. Catcher defense is probably the hardest thing to evaluate right now on a baseball diamond, but those middle infielders, it's, it's tough too. It's not clear cut anymore. TCL Broadcast Studios. Joe Maurer will have his number seven retired on Saturday. Let's uh, come back and discuss that next. It is the uh, twin show on Score North. And another blown call by Hernandez. Bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and scorenorth.com. Base hit, left field. Polanco scores. Cruz being waved home the throw off line. Max Kepler, after being knocked down, hits the next pitch for a two run single. All right, the all-new Score North. It is the uh, twin show. Zolgad, Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill uh, producing as always. Um, Joe Mowers, number seven, will become, I believe, Derek Wetmore with uh, Jackie Robinson's 42 out of circulation throughout baseball. The ninth number to be uh, put into the left field Hall of Honor deal Yeah, at uh, Target Field. And by the way, I did some checking with the uh, Prince thing tonight, and then the Mauer ceremony starts at 530 tomorrow night. The twins are urging you, and the twins are right here. So listen, get there by five o'clock both nights. If you want to get something or get in, get there by five o'clock. This Could thing, be a flood, yeah. There, yeah. there were there public were service announcements. Limited tickets. Well, I checked. Uh, nothing. I shouldn't say frustrates me more. It's a little bit. 
I don't understand when a team gets good and then has all these promotions or a special night and fans show up at the, you know, first pitch. Hey, yeah. it's hey, it's seven o'clock and I can't get in. Well, yeah, because the teams when they stonk, you could. Right. There but are 33,000 people. Thank here. you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the last I heard, I checked this morning. There were a limited number of tickets available for uh, tonight's game. I don't know if those are sold now, but basically the next six games are all going to be sold out. If you want to be there, get so, there. Yeah, so get there. Saying. So if you want a Prince deal tonight or to get into the uh, Mauer ceremony at 5.30 tomorrow in good time, get there by 5 o'clock. The driver of the Bomba bus speaks. Judd Zolgad. Well, we just have to re... And this is great, but we have to um, rethink how we do things when a team when gets they're good. good. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And I don't blame fans in this town. We're not used to it. And if you don't go every, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) a lot of practice around here lately. I'm not pointing blame. It's just I, I, this whole thing all the time that we get of, well, I was in line forever, right? But you know, and if you go once a month and that's your first time and it's kind of eye opening, maybe the next time you're going to know. But we're just trying to save you from if you if tonight is your first Twins game, it's a little bit different than your first Twins game last June. And that print stuff, like it or not, goes incredibly quick. Oh, yeah. So that giveaway will be gone probably uh, very quick. I think it's the first 10,000 fans, right? I also uh, highly suggest if you want mini donuts to get there very yeah. early as well. <laughs> right. but there's, only one, uh, there's only one station, and if, if you don't get there early enough, you'll be sitting in line for a while. If you want mini donuts, Manny does that every wait, time. Wait for field. the wait for the state fair and go then. Stay away from my ballpark. Oh no, Manny is like the first one oh, in that yeah. mini donuts line every time yes. at Target Field. It's a must every time. So you, your thoughts on Joe, Joel Mauer, uh and I? This is to me a funny thing, but Joe Mauer, for as quiet as Joe was, yeah, and as little as Joe said. He uh, he departs his playing days in this town to me as one of the most polarizing figures. Everyone had a thought on Joe. Everybody, if if you think about how little was said in comparison to how much was written or said by others about Joe, yeah. it makes yeah. no sense. That's the ratio. Uh, I, I do. I we're not going to get a straight answer from him, but I would love to know what, what he also thinks about the year after he walked away. This yeah. team being this good. I know. Yeah. I, Not just thought, oh, they're better. They're really good. I thought about reaching out on that very question a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to just... What's he gonna say? Oh, and he's not. What's gonna, he gonna say? No, he's not. But I love. But wouldn't you love to, if he was the gonna answer. articulate? Yep, yep, wouldn't yep. you love to know? And I'm sure there's a part of him. You know, he's with the two kids and his wife, who's three it, kids now, or three kids. Yeah. yeah, three kids now, and his wife, and he's extremely happy, and his life is great, and he's set for life financially, full time dad. But man. You were a competitor, and yeah, the year after you walked was. away. That's, I think, one of the biggest misconceptions about Joe Maurer is that, well, he just didn't care. Yeah, no. I can tell you flat out that is not the truth. Joe Maurer cared a lot. Joe Maurer worked incredibly hard to be in a spot to be prepared, as cliche as it is. And boy, he loved leaning on this cliche the last couple of years of his career. But just prepare your body, both physically and mentally, to be ready to go. At seven ten, mm-hmm. and I think that took as he turned thirty three, thirty four, thirty five in the final years of his playing career. I think that took a lot more than people realize for him to be ready for there. So I'm just just want to point out that from a behind the scenes perspective, that there is nothing to the notion that Joe Maurer didn't care. He was just collecting paychecks at the end, and he wasn't that valuable of a player. 
pretty tough to find anybody to say anything bad about Joe Maurer within the organization. And boy, if there's one big misconception, it's that he cared a lot. And I, I don't think he gets nearly the credit that he deserves for that. So whatever, for whatever it's worth, for whatever amount of public record that I can contribute to here on the score North first place twin show, Joe Maurer cared. He was a competitor. He wanted to win. I think it killed him that they didn't win for a lot of the, the, the years towards the back half of his career. And I'm sure there are some regrets about how the middle and early part of his career went there when he was one of the best players in baseball and they couldn't get it done. I'm, I'm sure that eats at him a little bit. Where would you put him in this lineup? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Yeah, where does he play? Now, like, let's say, well, let's, say no, let's say there was no CJ Crow. And, and CJ's been fantastic. Let's we back, all know that. Let's back this up, and that's the that's the point. CJ Crone's not here. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Well, where do you put him in the lineup? I he think, is still an on base machine. I think he probably hits first. Yeah. Lead him off. Don't you guys? Yeah, I mean it's I been think so he nice. Consistently bats first. It's been so nice having Kepler up there from a Twins perspective. Um, sure, but and Mitch Garver against lefties. That's obviously been great because you like to have Babe Ruth in your lineup. But <laughs> boy, it, it, like his skill, what he brings to the table. In the especially in the final couple of years of his career, is on base percentage. Who do you want on base? The first guy. <laughs> so then right. everyone can just hit bombas behind him. Yeah, I might just, I just, I might move the lineup down one. But so, so bad, Kepler second. Sure. Yeah. But without Crone, okay. Now, now the bombas, you still have a lot of guys that can hit them, but they've definitely gone down. Because yeah. Because Crone has been. A contributor in a big CJ's way there. Fantastic. So they're going yeah. from the best power hitting lineup of all time to just like top five, right? Well, let me give you <laughs> first world. I'll give, yeah, let's be honest about it. I'll give you guys my thought about the current twins here and, and how it ties into Joe and how I think they do things very wisely, very calculated, but there is an element of we're doing things our way. The magnificent day, and this is one of the great days, non-championship type days, but one of the greatest individual days created by a team, Joe's last game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, go back to that. That Still was remember that, yeah. It yeah. was, but I will I will go to the grave as a sports fan with that as, as a top five non-champion. Just moment. I want to go to the ballpark to see this. Oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah. I, like I had high expectations for what might happen that day, so did I, and it was so far exceeded. It felt like a dream. Yeah, like, yeah. like everything they remember did, we did a show together that day, and it, I was it like, was "This per- isn't real. This didn't just happen." It, it was one of the most perfect, um, <laughs> out of nowhere. It had seemed as if it had been planned for two months. Yeah, but what that does too, and and I believe they told Joe this was they said, "Joe, you really can't come back." This was too special. So, they might have let him come to his own conclusion. Well, there. But I believe that they also were like, do you realize it's not going to get... The point being is, it's where this team... There were previous Twins regimes that I firmly believe would have gone to Joe probably three or four times and said, are you sure you're done? I think they allowed Joe to come to this conclusion by himself. Didn't try to change his mind once he Bingo. made it. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> right. That's not cold... It's a little bit calculated, but it's where this team is different. And and in sports today, I have an enormous appreciation for that. This is the little things that help you win. Because if you think about it, Joe being back would not help this team one bit. CJ Crone's better. 
but they gave but but they didn't cheat him either. Right. They gave him one of the most special, and, and yeah, I know that this was Joe was in on this as well, so it's not just uh, Derek and Thad and Dave, but they created an incredibly special moment that a lot of people in that park, and especially Joe and his wife and kids, are going to remember for the rest of their lives, and it was brilliantly done. It, it was magical. I mean, it's the only word that I can come up with to describe the events of that day. You, did, you didn't think that it could top your lofty expectations, and it did. And it did by a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that this weekend we're all going to talk about Joe Maurer's legacy. We're going to go do a show at Fulton Brewery before Joe Maurer Day. So if you guys want to come hang out with us, actually. I think it's you, me, and uh, Phil Mackey. Yeah, and I'm, the not, show. I'm not buying, so yeah. let's, just, let's make that clear. <laughs> yeah, that's if right. anyone's listening, I'm not buying. <laughs> uh, I'll just walk right away from that one. I get myself in trouble. But there is... A, uh, you know, you you get a moment to pause and reflect and think about legacy. What did Joe Maurer mean to the Twins? Well, Twins Hall of Famer. I mean, uh, one of the greatest Twins ever. Naturally, people are going to start asking about the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And I don't want to dwell too much on it. We've talked about it a whole ton, and we'll continue to talk about it when the time is right. But I do think that history is going to look on Joe Maurer differently than you know, we maybe looked at him as observers of the twins in 2014. That 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 might be the low water mark for how Joe Ma- Maurer was perceived and and remembered and recognized as an all time great twin. I don't think it's outlandish to be talking about Joe Maurer in Cooperstown, and I think we'll have that conversation someday. Let's go to the phone lines: six five one six four six eight two five five. Simon in Woodbury. Hi, Simon. Hey guys. So this isn't necessarily about Joe Maurer's retirement, but I. I'm by a weather check. Apparently, we're, we're going to get like a lot of thunderstorms and and rain on during the game. So that okay, that'd be good. Yeah, and a lot of people coming That's out sense. to celebrate. And uh, yeah, if it's going to be wet, two things: still go. Just it's it's it. What I always think of it's like it's Minnesota. Dress warm. No such thing as bad weather. Only bad clothing. Obviously, tell that to Rami Makloff too, Simon. I would appreciate it if you would uh, let Rami know, but do it subtly so he doesn't give you a uh, put a roof on it. Because if you tried to put a roof over Target Field as you're hanging the number seven up into the limestone there in left field in that beautiful display at a beautiful ballpark, gosh, it would just be worse with a roof on it, wouldn't it? I'll tell you this right now: Bat and Barrel will be full tomorrow if that's the case. Yeah, no, that's right. Town Ball Tavern will, right. will be doing just fine. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I would very say much. business would be okay. Barrio will be doing center field. just fine. Uh, Is it bad that we can just list all the bars at Target Field? I don't know. I reviewed them all I, once. Great. I know you did. I it was gave fantastic. You uh, should update those because I, I think should. they've added more. Well, and it was the Metropolitan Club, which was only for season ticket holders at that time. So, yes, I could do. And they didn't have uh, Minnie and Paul in center. Let's do that, that in That bar July. was not there yet. Back to your point about uh, Joe being. A competitor. And from covering Joe, I do think he was a different cat. Definitely. He's hard to describe. I don't know him at all. I would never claim to know Joe right. at all. I don't think going and listening to what he said means that you know the person. Yeah, I, um, I covered him I heard a a story, quite a bit, and I wouldn't pretend to know him. I, I heard a story about Joe uh, from last year that sort of paints a picture of how, I think this is the best way to put it, how he perceived being competitive. Okay. And and how he perceived the Twins, right or wrong, to be his team. He started the a game ball thing last year, where after games he would take a ball, and then what they would before the clubhouse opened to the media, he would reward that to to the person that he deemed to do something. I think sometimes very small, but instrumental to the game. 
And I was told that was because he basically said, this is my team and there's a lot of people here or there are people here on this team who think it's their team and it's not. And so I'm going to do something that makes it very clear where I have to get up and speak that this is my team. And and you can criticize that and be like, well, that doesn't really show much. But I guess what it does to me is it provides a glimpse to how he perceived it. And you might not agree with Joe and you might not have thought that Joe was a dynamic person. And I would agree with that. But he definitely had his uh, his quirks and idiosyncrasies where he stepped in and saw a way that he was going to impact things. Joe Maurer is so Minnesotan that he didn't want to talk about his own accomplishments. He didn't want to talk about the batting titles. He didn't want to talk about the MVP. He was asked about it, and he'd sort of kick dirt and say, ah, oh, geez, you know, and that that bothers some people. But I think it's hard to relate to the sort of superstardom that was thrust upon him from age 16, right? Mm-hmm. I can't relate to what that pressure is like. I can't relate to what the relentlessness of the the schedule, the regimen, all year round. I, I It's so unfathomable to me that I can't even put myself in his own shoes. I have to imagine, though, if I could, it would be a really difficult thing to deal with. And I thought he did it fairly gracefully. When you look at it over the course of a career, did he ever, like, snap on anybody? Did he ever have a bad headline about him? And he could have been an absolute jerk. Did he ever treat anybody poorly even? Like, I don't I don't know because, again, I don't know him. His, I only see him for an hour, you know, five well, what, times a week. What are Joe Maurer's greatest sports sins? Getting a concussion. Not his fault, but that was my – he's got to move to third base or first base. Um, There's three his, I can think his of. His salary. Yep, the salary. Twenty three million a year. How much did did we hear that? That was a punchline. Uh going from catcher to first base and, and what's the third one to you? The third one is that he is six foot five and looks cut and yeah. couldn't hit for power. Yep. He just wasn't he wasn't a power hitter. He hit actually, so if you want to add a fourth to the list, it's that one year he was a power hitter. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if then he, if he didn't have that, maybe we'd just look at him differently. And then th- that's an outstanding point because as the game evolved and the baseballs got wound tighter and tighter and more people hit home runs, he didn't. Right. And so people did it, say, it wouldn't change Hold the on swing. a second yep. here. Yep. I guess you'd consider that a sin with an asterisk. Well, they're sports sins. Sports sin, that's what I mean. But people, those are the things, if people, or not if, when people turned on Joe, which a lot of fans did, why did they do it? And I think those three or four things are exactly why. If you went to Joe Maurer, the athlete, at the start of his career and said, hey, these these line drive rockets to left center are great, but one day the game's going to evolve. They're going to shift you down that line. They're going to shift you over the middle. You're swinging awesome, and you're super talented, and we like you. That's why we drafted you number one overall. We need you to overhaul your mechanics and change everything you do because baseball is changing, and we think you have the talent to change with it. It would have been a fascinating recast of history because I think he was athletic enough to do it, but I think he was too stubborn. The evolution of the game, though, in almost every way until the day he walked away from the sport, hurt him. Yeah, and it happened around him. He wasn't part of the evolution. Think about this. Give me your guess on, on if a year after the shifts became popular, baseball said that's an illegal defense. Everybody has to play on their side of the bag. He would have kept hitting 360. With a 420 on base. The ball got wound tighter, more home runs. I don't know that if he would doesn't happen. No, but he didn't. Right. My point again. Right. If if baseball had come back and been like, what is going on with our baseball? We got to get this fixed. 
home runs are not this good. That's right. That's right. Joe, yes. Joe, because nobody held that against him. Right. I think until it became common to look across the board. And Eduardo Escobar said always hit them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. But if baseball had cracked down on everything that came along that um, it didn't derail him. That's too strong a word. But that hurt him. It chipped into his armor for sure. If all of those for things, sure. if baseball had said, uh, 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 you're not doing that. You're not shifting. The balls are not going to be flying out of ballparks left and right. Joe would have been well off. Yeah. How much did going to target field affect that too? Just in terms the of the way, the, yeah, just the way oh, he sure. hits home runs. For sure. Because yeah. in 2009, how many of those uh, opposite field shots mm-hmm. flew over that wall and became long outs, probably probably sort of line drive outs at one point to the warning track and target field. Metrodome bombas. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there. Yeah, it's. Look, I'm not criticizing Joe for his stubbornness. I mean, it got him to a career that honestly could end in Cooperstown. He might be a major league baseball Hall of Famer someday. So. <laughs> You're picking nits at that point to say, well, but he could have done this better. And I know I'm just a geek in a chair, like talking about baseball. But I do wonder with the way that players are sort of like built and developed now, there's this concept of like, okay, here's the optimal way to approach offense. And if you have good hands and power and dedication to your craft and these mechanics, you're going to hit 30 home runs. Are you in or are you out? It wasn't the same. 15, 20 years ago. So I don't think that the option could ever be presented that clearly to Joe Maurer. But I also think if you said, hey, we think you've seen what Mitch Garver's done this year. We think we could do that with you because your hands are just as good. Your plate discipline is just as good, probably better. You just have this uncanny ability to see a ball two inches off the plate and know that it's 2.14 inches off the plate. Like Joe Maurer was the best at that. And he had the hands to boot, but he never changed. He never changed from that line drive inside out, go over His the shortstop's head. His competitiveness was being stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And he it played a stub- out. That's did. how it manifested. But I don't know if which, you had which said. Which is so Minnesotan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's <laughs> so <laughs> passive aggressive. Here you because go. Because he never would have said, hell no. He just would have ignored it and gone about He'd have been like, his okay, way. thanks for the input. I think I'm going to keep working on my inside out swing. Bingo. His swing was the same for the first day I saw him play baseball to, to the last. And some people will see that as a criticism of him. I guess I kind of would say that, too, that, boy, I mean, maybe could he have been better with that skill set if he had adapted? Maybe so. But also, that sort of, quote-unquote, stubbornness, that line drive swing, that I'm I'm not a power guy, this is who I am, I get on base, and the, the sort of boringness, let's be honest about it, I think all of that might have culminated in a Hall of Fame career, so who am I to say that it could have been better? And let's not forget, too, though, his last year as a catcher that was cut short with because of the concussions and yeah. then he made the transition to first base the yeah. next year. His last year as a catcher, he was still really, really good. Yeah. And was, he before he was having a really, really good season. It was great. Before before the concussion. It was great. I have the stats in front of me if you guys want him. He was hitting three twenty four. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he got the foul ball and it ended his season in August. But he still got five hundred plate appearances that year. Three twenty four batting average. He had a four oh four on base. And 476 power. It's not. It's not great power. We know. And I would. I would say. Doubles, though. Yep. I would say it's a fair criticism that like a guy like that maybe should have been able to hit for more power. But the things that Joe Maurer did well, he was in a class of his own. Uh, TCL Broadcast Studios. Take a break. Come back. One last segment we- on.
the first place twin we show. we got some reckless speculation to get to before the show we is do out. We do indeed, and a welcome back to a relief pitcher who will be gone tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're on the all-new Score North. The Score North Twin Show. Have you guys ever wondered what it's like to be a twin? On Score North and scorenorth.com. Squirted to the left side. Tough play for Polanco. Comes up firing on one hop. And Crow digs it out. Nice pick. A huge third out on a weirdly hit ball. Polanco stayed with it, and so did the first baseman. All right, first place twin show, TCL Broadcast Studios, all new score north, Zolgad, Wetmore, Manny Hill, one final segment, and uh, the Rochester to Minneapolis and vice versa, Choo Choo, continues to roll on. Welcome back, Zach Littell. If you pitch and get uh, hit hard, you will be allowed to stay in for 60 pitches. No one's going to care. You will be a sacrificial arm again, but we appreciate that here in Minnesota. Uh, I have a quick question for you before we get to the trade uh, rumor or the trade speculation, I should say, that uh, Jim Bowden threw out here on the Athletic Derek Wetmore. Uh, Fernando Romero, any theories here? Like, what? 11 starts last year. I think we were all pretty confident that this kid would develop into something, move to the bullpen in the winter, lost command in spring training, uh, came up yesterday didn't get an out got hammered sent back down i'm not willing to just give up on on this one no 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 so do you have any theories here? Uh, that's a good question and having not seen his most recent outing i i don't even feel qualified to weigh in on this but what i do think that but you saw spring oh yeah and, and, that's sort of, and, it, concerning. Went, and it went south in spring man and i were talking off the mic in the first hour here on the score north first place twin show about romero and yeah you can't give up on it obviously but it's one of the things that just hasn't gone the Twins' way. In a season where basically everything has gone the Twins' way sure. to a degree that you wouldn't even believe before the season, that's one that's gone against him. I think they were counting on Fernando Romero to be a late-inning arm for them, and he's so far from that. They were. Right now. In spring, it, was, wasn't, yes, you're right. it wasn't just the loss of control in spring that I think would concern you because whatever, it's spring training. You're just getting ready for the season. But it was a couple of outings where he not only couldn't find the plate, when he did find the plate, he was getting hammered. And that is about as bad as a recipe as you can draw it up. So as for theories for why it happened, I don't have any good ones. I did, uh, when I walked into the clubhouse in Fort Myers, Pat Royce gets criticized for these kinds of observations sometimes. And this one, he is flat out 100% right. Fernando Romero came to camp heavier this year. Okay, He was a bigger boy. And he always like he's not like a trim guy. Right. When I first saw him after he's coming off those couple of surgeries a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, this guy's sturdy and that fastball is wow. And I think that's still true. I guess it was a little surprising to me to see him, you know, your goal is probably to get to Fort Myers in the best shape of your life, right? That ain't the best shape of his life. I don't know for you know sure. Better. You know better than that. Well, I don't know for sure if that is impacting this at all so Mm -hmm. it's like a bit of reckless speculation but this is score north the home of reckless speculation so i think that's fine i just you'd like to see the control dialed in especially if he's going to limit himself to being a two-pitch pitcher out of the bullpen when that fastball slider combo yep if you don't have command with that that doesn't work it doesn't play i don't care how hard you throw weird because it's become so it's so bad right now and we're all dismissing it and it's something that i don't want to dismiss so He's important. Yeah. Or he and could you, be important. I think you spend the rest of the summer trying to fix him in mm. Rochester, or if he's on this shuttle, that's fine too. But I don't necessarily think the goal is he's pitching in the eighth inning for you in the American League Division Series. I think the goal is now, 
Are you ready to be that guy in spring training? Absolutely. You fix the rest of the bullpen around him. Don't count on him in 2019. It's just disappointing that, because I think the hope was that he was going to be a really reliable bullpen arm this season. And if he had been, we're not having this conversation That's of them right. needing to go out <laughs> yes. and, and trade for, as you've have you gone now, Judd, with two arms potentially for this bullpen? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, the bullpen game would get a little bit less fun on Score North First Place sure. Twin Show because it would just be, yep, that guy did his job. Yep, that guy did his job. But this feels yep. like it's taken a turn. Taylor Rogers did his job. Really for the worst. This doesn't feel yeah. like a struggle. This feels like something's really gone wrong here. He didn't get anybody out yesterday. Well, and yeah. he's struggling at AAA. There's nothing, there's been nothing good since he sort of lost it in the spring. So here's a theory that like I should check on before I even run out, but like I do wonder if they're trying to change something with him. And the, okay. the, the changes are some guys it's slow to go like you try to change something with uh Tyler Duffy let's say and it's not lights out the first time out but long term it might be a change for the better it's something that's going to help you Jake Odorizzi wow that's a bad example because Odorizzi's kind of always had his pitching plan but Jose Barrios he had this vicious I know you guys remember this because you've seen the Twitter highlight 50,000 times Jose Barrios's two-seamer used to start in on a left-hander's hip and run like all the way across the plate it was just this filthy break that how could you ever hit that? It was all horizontal, and he couldn't command it very well. Well, the Twins tweaked that a little bit. It doesn't move as much anymore. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the two-seamer. You're not seeing it move 12 inches. You don't see that one that starts on the inner third, runs all the way off the plate outside. Mm-hmm. That pitch is different now, but it wasn't an immediate snap your fingers that change is made. It takes some time to adjust and adapt. I wonder if something similar is going on with Fernando Romero, but... I haven't heard anything from the Twins in that regard, so it's pure speculation at this point. Last thing quickly, Jim Bowden saying that uh, the Twins should pursue and trade speculation by him. Madison Bumgarner and closer Will Smith, he says, rightfully so, Royce Lewis off-limits, Kirlov the same way, and you start with Gratterall and or Nick Gordon. If you start with Nick Gordon, I love this idea. I'm out. Gratterall is too good, and I don't want rentals. I want something better. Why don't you want rentals? This is a, a World Series team. Take team control. It's a World Series team next year, too. (laughs) <laughs> this is why you don't drive the Look, bus. This is why you're not driving the bus. I'm partying in the back with yeah. the rest of them. Yeah, all right. Judd, I do know that the Twins, I have heard, ha- are fans of Will Smith, but I don't know what that trade would look like. All right, we are done. Thank you very much. Purple Daily is next as Collar steps into the studio.